a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. He, he, the thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, there, 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 there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I uh, can't remember. I can't remember them I'm all either. Up. They're just too <laughs> numerous. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome to the Easter edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. All right. Well, today in today's show, uh, we're going to do, after doing some buzzwords, uh, we're going to play the game. You know, last week we played Order the Events of Holy Week. Uh, and now mm-hmm. we're going to play Order the Events of Easter. Hey. And uh, this is all available for our listeners on our website, tabletalkradio.org, under the Articles tab, uh, which is where I printed off this little thing to quiz you later. Um, nice. Yeah. So, and then we'll be playing some... Remember, remember long ago when we played Table Talk Jeopardy? Yeah. I, I remember we had this game from the very beginning, and we'd say when we wanted to talk about something specifically, we'd say, hey, let's play Table Talk Jeopardy as an excuse to talk <laughs> about whatever it is. But then we just de- never have anything that we want to specifically talk about lately, so we haven't played in a long time. Yeah. Uh, makes you that's wonder... That's true again today. <laughs> yeah, that's true again today. Uh, for sure. But we're going to go head-to-head in Table Talk Jeopardy later, so you want to uh, stay tuned for that. I'm curious, what, what category do you have for me? Uh, the Sweet Names of Death. That's the category. Oh, nice. I like it. Uh, my category for you is Questions from Evan's Confessions 3 Test. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Oh, I, what was I supposed to learn about the other day? Uh, what The error that stood behind Article Five of the formula of Concord or something, right. and I never looked that thing up. That might be in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nothing like bringing my confessional subscription into question. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, well, that's the lineup for today's show, but first we need to do some theological buzzwords where uh, Pastor and I give each other a theological word, and the point is to work it into the conversation as naturally as possible. And so, Pastor, yeah. the theological buzzword I have for you is... I think we've used this one before, evangelism. Oh, nice. Have we used that one before? I think so. I don't know. I haven't updated the, the buzzword list for like, I don't know, five months. <laughs> Were we going to hire a web guru? We should. We should. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so evangelism. Uh, th- this literally means to gospelize, right? That we're, that we're to, uh, to yeah, proclaim the gospel. Uh, and so this is what the church does, uh, that... Um, as as the the church herself learns the uh, of the promises and the forgiveness of sins through 
uh, Christ and through his word that we go out to proclaim that very same word to all the nations. Uh, and that is evangelism through the gospel to gospelize. So evangelism is your theological buzzword. Nice. I got a, a one for you that fits with the Easter theme, and that is the word resurrection. Are you suggesting uh-huh. that evangelism does not fit the Easter theme? No. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, th- that is the good news that Jesus rose from the dead, so that should be the content. See, the problem with evangelism, if you really want to get into this thing, is that um, what it means in the scriptures and what it ought to mean is not what it means when most people use it. I mean, what most people use it is to, you, you know, most people are acting like we're in some sort of emergency situation, and so we got to get in this kind of frothy panic, abandon our vocations, do whatever it is to to go and convert with our own efforts the unbelieving world. Well, that's just, and that's what they mean by evangelism, abandoning your vocation, basically. Uh, so so that in, in that sense, certainly it doesn't have anything to do with Easter. Um but if we understand it rightly, that the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit is pleased to, to send out the forgiveness of sins, the promise of the forgiveness of, through the church uh, to all the world, then, then that's precisely why uh, the, the result of Jesus rising from the dead and ascending into heaven. So, All right. Uh, what was you your buzzword again? I can go on a tirade, though, on this. That's just a mini tirade. <laughs> If you want oh, more, I've been here for those. They're, I, they're not pretty. Uh, re- resurrection is my buzzword for you. So resurrection is the reuniting of body and soul. So death is the separation of body and soul. Resurrection is the reuniting of body and soul. Now Jesus, and, and there's something too, that, that uh, reunited for the purpose of life eternal. So um, there's something to that as well. So that there were people who were raised from the dead. Jesus put their body and soul back together, but in the resurrection at the end of time, there'll be a kind of a, a fit for eternity kind of thing, uh, an eternity of suffering for the unbeliever and an eternity of joy for the believer. Although that's against that book that you just read, Love Wins. Oh, I was like, what book did I just... I just because I, I read my buzzword, well, I didn't read my buzzword, but I got my buzzword out of the Lutheran Encyclopedia, and I was wondering how that was against the book that I just... Okay. Okay, so evangelism and resurrection are the theological buzzwords. And uh, now it's time for Order the Events of Holy Week. Now, uh, before we get into this, why don't you talk a little bit about this uh, chronology of Easter events that you put together? Yeah, we have, um, you know, you have four accounts of all these things. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, accounts of Holy Week and accounts of, um, of the resurrection and the things that unfold. And uh, in each of the four evangelists is taking a different, slightly different perspective or angle on the things that they're um, and the things that they're including there. So uh, to to look at them and and mesh them all together and get them to to fit in the right order is a bit of a tricky thing, especially after Easter, because people are running every which direction. So some people are here, some people are there. Uh, even it's even quite marvelous to think that John is writing the things that he saw, and Mark is writing perhaps the things that he saw. If his house is the, where the upper room is, so he's seeing people coming and going, and they see him leave, and then they see him come back, and then they hear the report, and then they go and look, and other people go this way and that way, and everything's. I mean, it's like a chicken with its head cut off. Everyone's kind of running around everywhere. So to to kind of put them in some sort of chronological order, 
uh, is a bit of a tricky task. So this this chronology is certainly not above critique, but it's um it's my effort from a couple of years ago to try to put the uh, events uh, after the resurrection for the 40 days after the resurrection in some sort of order. All right, good enough. So I will give you three events. You don't have your chronology in front of you, do you? No, I don't. Okay, good. I, and, I, and when we planned to do this yesterday, I, I haven't looked at it between now and then. So <laughs> so it's got to be me remembering from last year. So Ooh. we'll see how that goes. Well, good luck. Well, I'll give you three events, and you'll have to order them in the correct order. The first, okay. The first event. Peter and John have left to investigate the empty tomb. They pass by women on the way, not speaking to them, go to the tomb, uh, see its emptiness. John believes they both return to Jerusalem. Okay, that's the first one. Okay. The next one, the angels appear and with a small earthquake roll away the stone, frightening the guards. Okay. Uh, and let's see what other one do I want to give you. Uh, Mary Magdalene, upon seeing the empty tomb, runs to Jerusalem and finds Peter and John reporting... Uh, that the tomb is empty. Now, this, see, okay, this has got to be. Now, one of the keys to getting this thing right is is this uh, is the, is just having it. You you have to infer this, but having the inference that Peter and John are staying at John's house. Now, it's kind of a strange little detail that we learn about this thing that John, the apostle. Had a, his family must have had a home in Jerusalem. So he was a he was a fisherman. James and John were fishermen up in Galilee. But his father must have had some sort of fishing business, such that allowed them to have a home in Jerusalem. Uh, so of some means. While the other disciples were seemingly staying at the upper room, the room we presume to be Mark's uh, family's home, that he, they're staying up there, so that there's uh, so that there's two different places in Jerusalem where people are going. So we have this that the that so the angel has to do this first because remember Jesus didn't roll away the stone the angels did and it's because Jesus didn't need the stone to be moved to get out the uh, the stone was rolled away so that the people could get in so the angels with an earthquake scare away the soldiers roll away the stone then the women come early and and see um, and see the tomb open and the and the half of the women run back to the upper room while Mary Magdalene runs over to get Peter and John, and then they race to the tomb with Mary following behind. So I'm going to put it in this order. First, angel and the earthquake. Second, Mary Magdalene and the other women go, and then Mary goes to talk to Peter and John. Third, Peter and John run to the tomb, go into the tomb, and John believes. You got it. All right. For getting that right, I will give you 200 Table Talk Radio points. Hey, thank you. All right, we'll do more of this, uh, ordering the events of Easter. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, uh, and we'll hit this commercial break and be right back. You can check it out on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Click on Articles and see the chronology of Easter events. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Can we trust the New Testament documents? Is it possible it was all a hoax? 
Listen to a live two-hour debate between Dr. David Scare, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary, and Dr. Robert White, author of the book, The Case Against the Case for Christ. The debate takes place Sunday, May 15th, beginning at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, all on tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to the Easter edition of Table Talk Radio. If you want to play along and see how Pastor Wolf Mueller is doing at this game, order the events of Easter, uh, go to the website tabletalkradio.org and print this off, the chronology of Easter events, and you can uh, see how Pastor Wolf Mueller is doing. You can uh, you know, be, be the judge your, uh, by yourself. So. Anyway, uh, are you ready? Yeah, you'll see the references. Aren't the, the references are there, right, for every uh, of these events. If there is, if we don't have to infer it, the reference is there, so you can check and see it that this makes sense to you. So use it as a Bible study. Yeah, this is nice. Um, so I mean, it has the references. Uh, you have column for Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or if it, you know appear somewhere else too. Uh, so that's that's good. It's almost like you uh, went to the Bible to figure all this out. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, Pastor, Th- these things didn't really happen. By the way, if you want to uh, listen to a debate on that topic, uh, you can tune in to on tabletalkradio.org on May 15th to hear a live radio debate between Dr. David Scare and Dr. Robert Price uh, on Did Jesus Really Rise from the Dead? Yeah, that'll be fantastic. I mean, this, this we're, we're here. I mean, one of the advantages of order the events uh, after the resurrection is that a lot of the unbelieving atheist types will say that there's that this is full of contradictions. Uh, all these accounts are full of contradictions, so you can't get it straight. Well, this is this answers that and says no, no, it's not. But you got to have a, a couple. You got to infer a couple of things to make it make sense. Not that many, and they're not that bad to infer. Like for example, that John and Peter were in a different place than the disciples. That's not too bad. Once you get that sort of thing straightened out, then it all begins to fall right into place. All right. Let's see uh, if you can keep doing it then. Are you ready for your next entry? Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, first, well, I mean, first for your consideration. <laughs> After hearing the report of the women and Peter and John, Clopas and another disciple leave Jerusalem to travel to Emmaus. They are met by Jesus, who is hidden from them. When they arrive at Emmaus, Jesus stops, prays, and is recognized in the breaking of the bread and disappears from their sight. Okay? Got it. Got it. Next, uh, guards go to chief priests, report what happened, and plot to keep the resurrection a secret. Okay. And lastly, Jesus appears to Peter alone. Oh. Uh, So, uh... Peter and John report to the disciples, and Clopas uh, takes himself and another disciple, and they head up to Emmaus to report what they've, what they've heard. Guards go to the chief priests, and then Jesus appears to Peter alone. That's really interesting. We're going to have to do it in this order. 
first the guards go to the chief priests. So the guards are frightened by the earthquake and the angels, and they go and tell the t- chief priests what they saw. And then Matthew, I think it's Matthew that gives us this little account that says that when they heard that this happened, they they already start plotting to say that his disciples stole the body. So that was the uh, so that would that would have been first. Now remember earlier we talked about how Peter and John go to the tomb. Well, they go to the empty tomb and then they come back. They come back to uh, to the where the disciples are at what we presume is Mark's house. So, uh, and that's when they report to the disciples gathered there in the upper room, the same place where Jesus had given them the, the Lord's Supper. And then Cleopas is there, and he then leaves to go up to Emmaus. And then Jesus. Uh, now, in the meantime, in the meantime, Mary Magdalene stays behind at the garden tomb. And Jesus appears to her. So that's the first appearance of Jesus. Then Jesus appears to the women as they were traveling. Remember, Mary went to John's house. The other women would have gone back to the upper room. Jesus appears to them. And then Jesus appears to uh, uh, Clopas and uh, the other disciple and walks with them to Emmaus. Then they turn around and run back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they've seen, that they saw Jesus. And the disciples say, yeah, he already appeared to Peter. And then to and then to all of us. So the appearance to Peter will be on, if I remember right, on that Sunday afternoon as well. But it'll be the third event in the order of these things. Okay. Is that right? Um. Oh, sorry. What? So guards. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Guards to the chief priest. One. Uh, Cleopas goes to Emmaus. Two. Jesus appears to Peter alone. Three. Correct. Two hundred. See, I, w- I wasn't listening to any of the other stuff. I was just waiting for you to give your final answer. <laughs> all you ma- all you care about is the points. <laughs> of course. I, well, I was hoping that you would get it wrong. So, I mean, but no, that's right. I'm glad that you get this right. So that's that's correct. You're up to 400 Table Talk radio points. How many? 400? Yeah, 200 for each uh, each correct answer. Sweet. Okay. Are well, you ready for another round? I've got oh, yeah, two ready. more rounds prepared if we have time. All right. Let me scramble the order here. Clopas and the other disciples arrive at Jerusalem. Five ten of the disciples report all that they have seen. Uh, Jesus okay. appears to the eleven, especially Thomas, and offers his blessing to those who believe and have not seen. Okay. Jesus appears to the ten disciples and others, shows them his hands and his side. Jesus breathes on them and sends out sends them out to forgive and retain sins. Okay, got it. So, uh, Cleopas, back to Jerusalem, uh, appearing to the eleven, appearing to the ten, and breathes on them. We're going to put them in this order. First, uh, Jesus appears to the ten, shows them his hands and his side, breathes on them, and gives them the Holy Spirit uh, and the command to forgive and retain sins. That's John chapter 20, and it's on Easter afternoon. So it's, or evening, so... So you have the order like that. Jesus walks all the way to Emmaus and then comes in, breaks the bread. They recognize Jesus. Cleopas and, um, and the uh, well, he, himself, he he's, sees Jesus and realizes he's resurrected. So he just gets up and runs all the way back to Jerusalem. In the meantime, Jesus just kind of zaps himself down to Jerusalem, uh, resurrection style, and appears to the ten as they're gathered in the upper room now and shows himself to them. He shows them his hands and his side. Um, wait a minute. Does he do that? 
Yeah, I think he does. And he and they believe in him. But Thomas is is gone. He's out grocery shopping or something like that. <laughs> so so Jesus shows the, himself to the ten. Then Cleopas arrives back and says, "Hey, we saw Jesus." And they and the disciples say, "Hey, we did too." Uh, except for Thomas. And Thomas comes back and he says, hey, I, I'm not going to believe unless I see. So it's a week later, the next Sunday afternoon, that they're all there and Thomas is there too. And Jesus comes again to them. And he says to Thomas, here, thrust your hand in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas says this great confession, my Lord and my God. Uh, and then Jesus says, blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. So that's the week after Easter. Uh, so we're going to have them in that order. Uh, appeared to the ten. Cleopas returns to Jerusalem. Appears to the eleven. <laughs> what? Uh, acor- according to the chronology of Easter events, which you authored, um, you have <laughs> Clopas, uh, Clopas arriving at Jerusalem, and then Jesus appearing to the ten, uh, and then... Jesus appearing to oh, Thomas. oh, you're right, you're right, because be, that's right. Because when Clopas gets back, he says we saw Jesus, and they say, oh yeah, Peter saw him. Right, yeah. And and then Jesus appears to. You're right, you're right. So so thank you, that's very helpful. So Clopas writes, and then they say, oh yeah, yeah, G- uh, Peter saw Jesus also, and then Jesus appears to all of them together. Yep, you're right. Nice. I got it wrong. That's, yes, you did. I so I will deduct. Uh, I think 400 points for everyone you get wrong. Is that is that how we were playing what it? What in the world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. All right. I'm just I, kidding. I'm not I'll, worried because Jeopardy's coming, so I'm not worried at all. <laughs> I don't know. I, you, last time we played Jeopardy, I think you ended up with like a negative million or something. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't think that's true. Um, but don't you remember the, the uh, category you have for Table Talk Jeopardy? Should you really be that confident about playing Jeopardy later? Oh, yeah. Con- questions from my convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, well, how about we do one more round of Name the Events of Easter after this commercial break, and then we'll get into playing Table Talk Jeopardy. Uh, I have the category uh, Questions from Evans Confessions 3 test. And, and I got uh, the category The Sweet Names of Death. Dulce Nomine Morte. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to do that right after this commercial break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Send us an email about what you're hearing. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Baptism is such a wonderful gift from the Lord Jesus that I've been disappointed for the past five and a half years about the dinky little baptismal certificates that we give to the children and adults that are baptized. Remember those great, old, fantastic, artistic uh, certificates that our grandparents used to get? Why not have something like that? I know there's a few available out there, but I I got together with a friend of mine who's a graphic designer, and we put together, I, I think it's a beautiful design, uh, it's, it has the four catechism verses. It has artwork from the Old Testament and the New Testament with Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by John featured at the top. It's, and it's electronic. So you can print out, if you're a church and you have the ability to print on an 11 by 17 copy machine, you can print these out as many as you want. You can even input the information electronically. 
Uh, we started a little company to distribute this thing. It's WolfsonCreative.com is the website. And for $35, you can have this uh, electronic baptismal certificate and print as many as you want. I, I hope this will be a benefit uh, to the church and to the Lord's people uh, to have something available at this very affordable price. If you're interested, you can, again, visit the website, WolfsonCreative.com, W-O-L-F-S-O-N, Creative. C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E dot com, or you can email me uh, at, uh, well, my Table Talk Radio at, works fine, or also brian at wolfsoncreative.com. If you have questions about this, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Table Talk Jeopardy is on the way, but first, one more round of Name the Events of Easter Week, uh, or Easter Day, Easter whatever. Season, Easter Season. time. Easter, yeah. Uh, Pastor Wolfmiller is at 400, getting the last one wrong, so 200 for the two correct responses uh, and nothing for the incorrect response. Uh, so here's your chance to get to 600 points. Are you ready, Pastor Wolfmiller? Oh, yeah. Okay. The first possibility or the first uh, event to consider. Six disciples are fishing in the Sea of Galilee and Jesus appears to them, has a breakfast of boiled fish, and restores Peter. Boiled? I thought it was roasted. Uh, You said broiled. 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 I don't actually know what broiled is. (laughs) I don't even know how to broil something. Maybe that's not the point, is it? I, uh, I guess not. Okay. Uh, second event. On a Galilee mountain, the Lord sends his disciples to make disciples of all nations through baptism and preaching and promises his abiding presence. And last but not least, Jesus sends his disciples to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus tells the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting thing because... Because Matthew has this great commission, uh, go and make disciples of all nations on a mountain in Galilee. So it it had to have been, let's see, at some point after the week after Holy Week, so the week after Easter, they're in the upper room on Easter. They're in the upper room the week after Easter. And then at some point, they go up to Galilee and they go fishing again. And they're kind of back to the old deal. So Jesus, uh, um, and, and he said, go to Galilee um, and I'll go ahead of you. So they go back up to Galilee. And then Jesus uh, has this, there's this account where they're fishing and Jesus calls them there. That's got to be the first thing. Then uh, later, Jesus, they're up on a mountain or a hill and Jesus gives them the this instructions for baptizing, making disciples by baptizing and teaching. And then they're back down in Jerusalem, uh, specifically on the Mount of Olives, which is just to the uh, east of Jerusalem. Uh, and they're on top of the Mount of Olives, and Jesus appears to them again, sends them out to preach repentance, starting in Jerusalem. But he says, wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And that's the ascension. So we're going to put it in that order. Fishing, Galilee Mountain, preach repentance on the um, on the Mount of Olives, and then Jesus' ascension into heaven. And then ten days later uh, is Pentecost and the beginning of uh, of the Church of the New Testament. That is correct. Very good. I thought I'd trick you by giving them to you in chronological order, thinking that you would have to mix them up. But 
Oh, did you? I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> Look, you did put them in so, order. So much for that. Okay. Um, I was wondering if uh, when they were fishing in the Sea of Galilee, is this where Jesus uh, teaches in the song, I will make you fishers of men? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Except for Jesus taught it to him in Hebrew. So the one that we have is not the original. <laughs> now, uh, I think the great thing that was we consider these Easter events is how uh, just about near whimsical Jesus is. I mean, these disciples are just so kind of serious and even mourning, but Jesus is just... He's, I think he's playful. I don't know any other way to say it. That Jesus is playful now. So that he says to them, they're out there fishing. He says, throw the net on the other side. Oh, we've been through this drill before. And they throw the net on the other side and they pull in these 253 fish or whatever it is. And then, and they come to the shore and now Jesus already has some fish cooking there. It's like <laughs> if I got to Bible class and they say, hey, pastor, pastor, we're, we're, oh, this is terrible. We don't have any donuts. You might run and get some donuts. And I go and get these donuts and I come back and then, and there's already two dozen boxes of donuts there. You know, what are you guys playing at? Kind of thing. That's kind of how Jesus does this. Or when he's on the road to Emmaus and he hides his face and then he, he, he breaking the bread and then poof he disappears and then he just he he walks through the door and poof he's right in the middle of him and he's poof gone again and 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 then he, you know how it uh, how it is with kids if they get hurt. Like, look at this, you know, cut. And Jesus comes to Thomas and says, look at this, look at this hole in my hand here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just really wonderful. Jesus is now beyond the reach of death. He's the only only person ever to walk the earth to be beyond the reach of death. Isn't that something? And and there's just this kind of overwhelming joy with Jesus. It, and now it's it's just it's amazing to see how the disciples kind of handle that because they have to look at Jesus and say, "What are you doing?" Um, they want to know more. Tell us, tell us when you know. Tell us when this is all going to happen. Tell us when. The, and Jesus, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, but just wait, you know, wait. The Holy Spirit will come. Don't worry. Don't panic. Yes. Uh, very good. That's great. Well, and that one was 600 Table Talk Radio Points. That's pretty fantastic. Ugh. You don't have a, ch- you don't have a chance. <laughs> well, let's get to it. Uh, give me your, uh, give me your first one. I'll take, uh, what is it? Sweet Names of Sweet Death. Sweet Names if you of say Death. It, if, you say it, if you want to say it in Latin, you can say Dulce nomine morte. I'll stick with sweet English. I'm lucky to I'm yeah. lucky to get that out. So sweet names of death for one hundred. This name is first used by Jesus and then by Paul. Uh, it's one of the sweetest names of death, and it by its very nature implies that we will wake up in the resurrection. Uh, what is sleep? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so sleep. Jesus. Jesus. I think. Uh, I don't know if this is the first time, but one of the times that Jesus is, uh, um, mentions sleep. Well, okay, we have one, doesn't he? Yeah, at the death of Lazarus is one. Uh, and then at the uh, the daughter, right? Um, Tabitha Kum, wake up, little girl. Right, yeah. Uh, so is, I don't know which one comes first there. Maybe we should, pl- we should play that game, Order the Events. Chronology of, of Jesus naming death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, where else is, is there other place? I mean, in in Jesus, I mean. Um. Uh. Those are the two, anyways. The Tabitha Kum and uh, so Matthew nine, John eleven, and then Paul uses it. First Thessalonians four, and First Corinthians fifteen. Yeah. Very good. All right. Are you ready for yours? Uh. Yes. I you buy, get a hundred points, by the way. I, by the way, didn't go to the trouble of of formatting these questions to fit the jeopardy thing so well then i won't worry about <laughs> formatting my answer 
So I, I should I should preface this. So this is off of my study guide for a test uh, for Confessions three, and Confessions three covers the formula of Concord. Um, so I'll give you a heads up, and I'll even tell you so much that that uh, this test in particular was covering articles one through five and ten. So, How, what kind of grade did you make on this test? That's what I'm interested Actually, in. Actually, <laughs> I, I think I talked to you afterwards. I said, "Man, I think I bombed that test," uh, but actually, I did I did okay on it. So, it's it's all right. Good. I might I might know whether you get these right or wrong. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so uh, your category is questions from Evans Confessions three test. I'm ready. Uh, do you want to pick a value or? Oh, yeah, 100. Okay. I let the drama build. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What is the relation between the scriptures and the confessions, according to the Formula Concord? What's the relationship between the scriptures and confessions, according to the Formula of Concord? So so this is in in the introduction to the Formula of Concord. The Formula of Concord, by the way, is is a document written in 1577. Luther died, and the Lutherans all started fighting, so they said, we got to... We got to get our act together here. So they sat down, a committee. Formula of Concord is the only good thing ever to be written by committee. And they <laughs> wrote this uh, this document that said, "Here's the issues. This is some people are teaching this, some people are teaching this. And we believe from the Scripture that this is true." And they they dealt with stuff like the nature of man, original sin, righteousness of God, law and gospel, third use of the law, the person of Christ, the Lord's Supper, election, uh, ceremonies, indifferent matters, things like that. But the preface to this thing, the formula of Concord, says we get all of our doctrine from the Scripture. The Scripture is the pure and clear fountain of Israel. Oh, it's beautiful. So that we learn about uh, these things that must be revealed to us, about Jesus, about the law and the gospel, about the Lord's mercy and grace. We learn about these things only in the Scriptures. Uh, so that any teaching must be must go back to the to the to the source. It, it, the scriptures then are the are the norm. The, the Lutheran confessions do serve as a norm, but they are a norm that's normed by the scriptures. While on the other hand, uh, the scriptures are the norm that norms everything else. Yeah. No. Uh, the, the, the Latin way to say that, right, is this norma normans and norma normata, the norming norm and the norm that's normed. But it reminds me too much of Cheers. Because the norm, the the post norm, game. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And and the, the the formula of Concord specifically set out not to uh, have this new confession of faith, but simply to affirm what already existed in Lutheran confessions. Uh, so that of the, the um, small and large Catechism of Luther, small called uh, uh, Augsburg Confession, Apology. So this is why you have the the formula of Concord constantly quoting these other parts because they're just, they're trying to affirm that this is what we've already believed, this is what we've already established. They're not trying to identify any new belief, um, but to go back to what they've already confessed. That's right. So okay, well I will give you 100 points for that answer then. So Sweet. you are up to 700. And uh, we're 30 seconds away from our next commercial break, so we will uh, go and take a break right now. While I uh, try to read through the Bible and, and identify more sweet names of death, uh, so I get that get, get more points. Uh, if you want to respond to anything that you're hearing on today's program or any other program of Table Talk Radio, you can give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA, or send us an email questions at tabletalk.radio.org. 
Pastor, I knew that you wouldn't be able to get the number, so I just I just gave it to him. Three eight five Sola. All right, more. We're gonna play more Table Talk Jeopardy, uh, Sweet Names of Death, and the Formula of Concord. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? Hi, this is Jonathan Fisk, and if you are interested in hard-hitting, dynamic, 200-proof Lutheran doctrine, then whatever you do, don't listen to Table Talk Radio. Watch Worldview Everlasting. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. You know, sometimes we've joked on this show that Pastor Wolfmuller is checking his email or something while during the show, but uh, it's really not a joke. He really is doing other things during the course of the show. Uh, so during the breaks, you get to hear all about it, and then we say, okay, we need to start you know, recording again. Um, so I'm trying to teach Evan the difference between superlapsarianism and infralapsarianism. Which you heard about 15 minutes ago. A distinction which I didn't know about <laughs> till I was picking my buzzwords on random Theopedia. <laughs> but now, don't worry, now I'm an expert in it, and it'll surely be a show in our next time we record. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Wait. making me sick to my stomach, though. Watch out for the next Table Talk radio game, lap- lapsarianism or superlapsarianism. <laughs> well, so we'll play a clip and we'll determine. <laughs> okay. I think it's uh, my turn, so I will take the sweet names of death for 200, please, Alex. All right. Uh, try, trying to figure out how to name this one rightly. Uh, this is, oh, well, here, I'll, let me do, this is an easier one here. This is a beautiful name that we sing of uh, in the liturgy, especially after the Lord's Supper, which was first spoken of by Simon as he held Jesus in his hands in the temple. Um, I wonder if you're looking for the nuke de menace. So what is the nuke de menace? Yes, but what is so now depart? But, yeah, now depart, or in further, we could say like this: depart in peace. Okay, yeah, depart in peace. So, the, so the, these these sweet names of death, by the way, are so comforting because here the Bible gives. You know, we we have our names of death like, um, oh, they passed away, or they've passed over, or they're gone, or whatever. But here the Bible has names for death that are just beautiful. They have it. The salvation that the Lord promises. So sleep, to depart in peace is another one. Can imagine that? So that when the when the Lord's um, Christians die, they depart in peace. Yeah, and oh. we should say that all these all these names are a, a testimony of the the new life we have in Christ. That because Christ died and rose from the dead, as we uh, so boldly confess on Easter Sunday. Um, so that we too, uh, being baptized into into Christ, uh, uh, await the resurrection as well. So the point of these sweet names is that they they are confessing the truth we have in the gospel. What you have with what you mentioned before, how we kind of gloss over over these words, we're trying to uh, downplay the harshness of death, right? So we'll say so and so passed on, or they, you know, uh, they're doing an opposite thing, right? They're they're trying to dodge the reality of death. Right, right, but we push right through it with the gospel. And I noticed, by the way, you used your buzzword, resurrection. Hmm. How about that? But you, you, you used. Did you even know you used your buzzword? No, nope. So that's pretty. That's pretty natural. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure if you should get points if you did it. If no, no, I, I should do, get I points do. for. <laughs> I mean, how can you get more natural than not knowing it? <laughs> 
<laughs> what in the world? <laughs> All right, I'll give you 300 points for that somehow. That's it? Ah, okay. It's not, it's, <laughs> if you get 500 if I don't notice. <laughs> not if you don't notice. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, I'm just saying, the point of the game is to get it working in pretty naturally, and I don't know how more naturally you can get it if you don't even know you used it. You totally it. forgot what your buzzword was. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you 200 points. Oh, wait, no, I get 200 points. What am I doing? <laughs> 650 now, right? I'm up to 650. 600. You have 600. I'm still I don't know how you got 50 in there. Because uh, you gave 300, me... You 100, get, then 300 for the buzzword, then 200 for that thing. You said 350 for the buzzword. You want me to play back I did? the tape? All right. No, no, three fi- okay. fine. I'll concede. Okay. 350. All right, so... I'm going to take um, <laughs> questions from... What What am I up to now? Well, for, for 200. Questions from your Confessions 3 test <laughs> for 200. See, I know you like to uh, combine our, our games. I'm just combining Table Talk Radio or Table Talk Jeopardy. And uh, are you smarter than a seminarian? So that's... I'm just glad that you've already taken this test. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I actually already have the study guide for the next test, the, for the final. And I thought, boy, I should I should ask you these questions, just be filling it out as you as you answer them. <laughs> Find the really hard ones in there. Okay. Okay. For two hundred. Ready. What should be the governing principle of the use or non-use of audiophora? Uh, Adiaphora means um, indifferent things, and especially in the in the uh, Confessions Formula 10, it's talking about ceremonies, which are neither commanded nor forbidden in the Scriptures. So that's what we're talking about. What the things that are, uh, and this, so we want to look for things that are useful uh, for faith. Uh, they they teach the law and the gospel. Uh, the scriptures and the life of Christ, etc. That's what that's what how adiaphora is to use is to be beneficial. But the point in, in Article 10 is that they're talking about um, can you compromise an adiaphora if if someone's insisting that you do it. So for example, just take a question like a the alb. You know, you wear the alb, the big white robe uh, for the for the Lord's Supper when you're conducting the service. Do you have to wear it? No. Is it helpful to wear it? Yes, very helpful. It's like church camouflage. <laughs> So people can't even notice the pastor. He just is in his camo gear up there, matches the rest of the church. Uh, so that's helpful that way. But what if someone comes along and says, you must not wear that thing. You you have to take it off. Well, what do you do? Well, you can't compromise when someone's insisting that something is free is not free. This is where you, I get the idea of stick it in your eye Lutheranism. Uh, so that so that we're free, for example, we're free in Christ to drink a beer. There's no forbidding of beer. Uh, in the Bible, there's a f- certainly a prohibition against being drunk, uh, and the Christian should not even be close to that. Uh, but there's no prohibition against drinking a beer. So, but say someone comes along, and they're very weak in their faith, and they really struggle with alcoholism, um, and they're and they're trying to fight against that sort of thing. Should should we uh, should we drink with them in front of them? No, certainly. Paul says, "I'll give up eating meat if it's a stumbling block." But if someone comes along and they say, hey, uh, that you shouldn't drink any alcohol at all. It's forbidden, verboten. Uh, don't drink. Uh, it's unchristian. Well, what do you do? You get out your beer and you drink it right in front of them because they're insisting that something that's free is not free. Uh, and so we cannot change in those sorts of matters. Right. And the point is, is that uh, when either of those cases arise, what is adiaphora is no longer adiaphora. Uh, in the sense that if, if one is... Uh, if someone is weak in the faith, and we no longer have the Christian freedom to use or not use, the point is that we 
um, we've been for the, the weaker brother. In the other case, the the our Christian freedom is being called into question. It's being it's being uh, uh, challenged. And so at that time, we must, uh, in, in defense of our Christian freedom, uh, exercise the thing that's being drawn, be, being challenged. Right. Galatians 5, for freedom Christ has set you free. Let no one uh, take you into a yoke of bondage. That's the that's the scripture text there. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. All right. I'll give you another 200 points. Brings you to 900, and I will take sweet names of death for 300. All right. This is going to get harder here. Okay. Um... um Paul, who you couldn't do anything to because he would always talk about uh, how he uh, lived for the Lord and he would uh, die with Christ, uh, says that death is for him this. Uh, What is gain? Fine, right. (laughs) (laughs) To live as Christ, to die is gain. That's marvelous, because we always say, I'm sorry for your loss. But here Jesus says, no, no, no. Or Paul says, no, it's not loss. Death is gain. I mean, it might be a loss for us who are still alive. But for those who have died, to die is gain. Beautiful. Yes, I was just going to look. What's that hymn that we sing uh, based on that text? Oh, yeah, for me to live Mm -hmm. is Jesus. Uh, uh, To die is gain for me. So when my Savior pleases, I meet death willingly. Uh, That's a good hymn. 742 in LSB. All right, uh, we need to pick up. Ooh, the... that puts you ahead, 950 to 900. That's right. All right. All right. That's so give me the, the next time one quick. We have for today's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Questions on Confessions three for what? Am I up to 300 now? 300. All right. This is this, oh, yeah. this is your favorite. I know you're gonna get this. <laughs> what was Osiander's doctrine of justification, and why does the formula of Concord object to his doctrine? Oh, yeah, Osiander, our favorite Osiander. Because you can can you remember this? Because Osiander sounds like ocean. So that he said that Osiander's big deal was that Christ dwelled in us, and his indwelling righteousness was so overwhelming that it overwhelmed our sinfulness. His righteousness was like the ocean, and our sin like a drop. So we became righteous by the indwelling of Christ. That was his. And so, so in rather than uh, having the imputed righteousness, the declared righteousness, you had the indwelling righteousness, which is just a tricky form of Lutheran mysticism, which I am against because it's bad. <laughs> uh, would a would a modern day manifestation of this be um, when uh, people are talking so much about uh, Jesus being in my heart, so that I am being transformed to a new Christian life, or something like that? Right, yeah, that's right. Christ. Now, Jesus does, I mean, Christ dwells in our heart. That's fine. The Bible says that. Ephesians, there's a version of Ephesians that talks that way, so we can talk that way. But the preferred language in the Scriptures is not that Christ is in us, but that we are in Christ. That's right. over and well, over and over. Well, yeah, over I mean, even though we talk about the indwelling of Christ, it's, it's not um, by that indwelling that makes us right before God. It's the, uh, that's right. the declaration uh, of, of God. Uh, his Our atonement. So the forgiveness yeah. is imputed to us. It's, it's always alien. It's always external uh, before it's internal. And that's the point, is Osiander pushed it inside of us, while the gospel is always uh, outside. Oh, I've got some bad news. Out of time? Out that's of bad time. for you. That's bad for me. Uh, I... All right, well, you get, what was that, 300? So 
300 you had to 1100 you win pastor wolf miller 950 to 1100 but i think i would have come out on top with this category but uh, that's all the time we have so thanks for listening to this edition of table talk radio where the points are like the good that the indwelling of righteousness, Christ's righteousness, does for you. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. It's the no views good at expressed all. on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.